Thank you for listening to Bishop Chronicles. Bishop Chronicles is a podcast on stoic resilience and the art of not quitting. Now, here is your host, Adisa the Bishop. Peace. It's time to holler at a scholar. Welcome to Bishop Chronicles. I'm your host, Adisa the Bishop. It's been a weird week for me. A big bag of blessings and mayhem. I want to thank everybody for the really good feedback on that last show. Super grateful to all my old listeners that are still listening. Deeply appreciate you. And I'm super grateful for the new listeners and followers on IG at Bishop Chronicles uh, and the building sessions that this, that's been coming from that, you know. So I'm happy to be here with you, truly, truly. Um, right now, the thing that is sitting with me the most is the impact that I have observed and experienced directly of discipline over inspiration. You know, we use that hashtag a lot when we're trying to feel better, motivation, inspiration, you know, quote of the day, whatever, right? But, you know, and I'm not the first to say it, a lot of times discipline is the way you get through the thing, even when you're not inspired. So my workouts have been really consistent. My diet has been really consistent. My yoga has been really consistent. Stoic journaling, super consistent. Meditation, super consistent. Man, you know how many times you do those workouts, you look in the mirror, you don't see no change. How many times you do the yoga but you don't feel like you're much more flexible or you don't necessarily feel like there's a lot of new peace in your world. You know, let me tell you, the long-term impact of that activity is really great. Really great. Um, I looked in the mirror the other day. Four-pack. Almost to the six, homie. Almost to the six. My cardio was through the roof. My yoga is keeping me in order. I had a crazy situation from jujitsu where my IT band was all inflamed and I use my knowledge of self which included yoga, meditation, different teas, different baths, different ways to, you know, sit and research the leg and the back. Fantastic. One of the things that I got or that I actually put in for uh, before I did the show was this thing called a Memento Mori calendar. I don't know if you've ever seen these. I first got hip to these through my homeboy, Doug Deanna and uh, old school jujitsu partner. You know what I'm saying? Um, Team Dougasaurus for sure. It's an old guy's jujitsu crew. Um, and he said, I think one of his sons had gotten him this calendar and it basically has, let's say like 80 to 100 years on it. And for every week of your life, there is a clear white dot. And what you do is you take the <clears throat> calendar and, and you fill it out, all the little dots for every week you've ever lived up until right now. And what it does is it helps you understand, one, how limited your time is, how sacred that limited time is. And it also helps keep you focused on your goals and, and keeping gratitude as you pursue your goals. So I decided I was going to get one. I put one in the, I, I got it off Amazon. I don't sell them. 
you know, you can get it off Amazon or Etsy. I've seen several different ways, you know, you can get them. And I started working on my, you know, filling out these dots, which actually takes a lot of work. And um, I'm not done. I'm almost done. I've been doing it for two or three days now for an hour or so a day, I guess. And it's deep because, you know, I talked to you guys about how I have therapy and um, I love my therapy and my therapist. And one of the reasons that I have therapy is because um, I have kind of a situation where I can't really remember all of my life uh, in a straight line. I remember my life in chunks, like big chunks. And it's hard for me to um, recall a lot about me. So what that means is, if you show me a picture of me and you, or you show me a picture of some event or whatever, I can look at that picture and I can say, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, we were doing A, B, and C and you know, this happened and that happened or whatever. But if you were just to ask me what certain years were like, I wouldn't have any idea. Like I know certain fundamental things about me, you know, how, how, how long I was married, you know, who, who my ex-wife was, my kids when they were born, different milestones with them, whatever. But a lot of the rest is gone. And so it's really weird. Doing this calendar, because the way that my calendar works, it, it, it's in five-year increments of dots. And what it's helped me do while I'm, I'm coloring these dots in is it's helped me reflect on those years. But I even have to kind of like go into Google and look up like, oh, well, what songs were hot then and uh, whatever. And I can kind of bring myself back into some of that. It's really dope. I'm kind of like a black Jason Bourne, only without all the cool aspects. Um, but this Memento Mori calendar is dope. And I, and I encourage you all to get one. They're, they're really cheap. And so, you know, my writing... I, I, I got courageous and jumped back into my writing. Uh, I've talked about this book that I wrote while I was in the UK, but what I never talked about was the um, book proposal that I never did because it's undone. So I decided that I was going to do it this week and I jumped on it and I'm almost done. I'm almost done with this book proposal and I'm super excited, you know? Um, it took a lot of discipline to do that. You know, uh, I recently went through a spell of about two and a half months where I couldn't really write because I didn't trust not only the writing I was about to do at that time, I didn't trust the writing I've done over the last few years. So I'm looking at my book, not liking any of it, not trusting any of it, not feeling any of it and feeling very underwhelmed underskilled, underinspired, but I made myself do this and it, it, it's coming out pretty dope. It's coming out pretty dope. And I'm excited about that. You know, um, again, my yoga, my journaling, my meditation, it takes a lot to keep it together, doesn't it? It's really hard to find peace. And keep it. it. Takes a lot of work, more work than it appears. Um, but I am right now 
a real living embodiment of that consistency and its value. And so I encourage you, if there's anything that you're really trying to do right now, just do it. And you won't like it when you do it. When I work out, I don't like working out. When I'm jogging, I don't like jogging. Even when it's going good, I don't like jogging. A lot of times when I'm going to jujitsu, I'm not feeling jujitsu. But when I leave jujitsu, I feel alive and beautiful and empowered and present. When I finish the run and I'm at the top of the mountain, looking at the Pacific Ocean, I feel connected to the earth. I feel grateful for the warmth on, on my skin from the sun. Or I'll be grateful for the rain that's coming down on me when I ran. I love it. Um, and so it's really interesting about this thing about doing stuff you don't want to do when you know you need to do it. So the other day, uh, my car started tripping out. And my boy Sekou was like, yeah, I think you got some kind of oily blood. You need to check into that, you know what I mean? So I was like, word, word. And um, I called my mechanic. So my mechanic, his name is Carlos. Advanced Auto Repair and Tires in Hayward, California. I'm giving him a shout out because he's been my mechanic for almost 10 years. And I don't like taking my car to nobody else. Legit. If he can fix it, he'll tell you. If it's going to be expensive, he'll tell you. If it's not worth trying to fix, he's going to tell you. He's on Dollar Street, 25, 25751 Dollar Street. Yeah, advanced auto repair. So, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Carlos. He's the dude. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, because he looked at my car when I first got it. And I was like, yo, how is it? He's like, it's cool. You ain't got to worry about it, whatever. And then it starts tripping. So I was like, yo, man, my car is tripping. So he was like, yo, I can look at it real quick because uh, you're a cool, consistent customer. I can look at it real quick on Saturday morning. Now, I had a long, grueling, tiring, exhausting week. And I was looking forward to not leaving the house at all. Mind you, it's supposed to rain that day, I think, too. And I said, okay, I'll meet you there. But in my head, I was like, man, I'm not getting no blood. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then in some related news, you know what I'm saying? Um, I look after my parents and I, I was like, man, maybe, maybe it's time for me to get a booster, you know, just to look after my, look after my folks. I got the J&J when I came back to America in June. Um, and I got the weakest vaccine deliberately because I wasn't sure about what folks were saying about some of the other vaccines. And so I'm like, yo, do I mix and match? Do I just try and get a J&J booster? Do I go with Pfizer? I don't know. Uh, does any of this matter? You know what I'm saying? And what was deep was the week before, the week before, uh, I had went out with my boy. Anthony and we had went to the Taqueria on 25th in La Mission in San Francisco you hear me um and it was it was really dope but when we went to the Taqueria now listen I've been eating there since my granny man 
bless her always. You should take me there since I was like eight, nine years old, probably younger. We get ready to go in. They're like, oh, y'all eating outside, y'all eating, you know what I'm saying? Uh, out front or whatever. He was like, oh, no, we're trying to eat inside. They was like, yeah, we're going to need that vaccine card, homie. I was like, what? Well, I had to go into the to the phone, pull it out. Okay, cool, whatever. We got the burritos. They was lit and they stay lit. 25th always, always better than 24th for those that really know. Um, and so we leave and we go to this spot on Shotwell in the mission. We go to ODC. It's a dance spot. I'm forgetting all of the letters. Okay. But he actually knew these people that were post that were hosting this amazing interpretive dance thing. He was like, yo, you want to go? And like, he's the homie. So I'm like, yeah, blood, I'll just go watch whatever. I'm just trying to kick it. But I don't know nothing about dance, let alone interpretive dance. And for the record, anybody who really knows me knows I can't dance. Like at all. Okay. Horrible dancer. Horrible knowledge of dance history. In fact, when it comes to hip-hop, and everybody knows, huh? I bring the factology on hip-hop. Stop playing. My weakest understanding of hip-hop is in the space of dance. My weakest understanding is in the space of dance. Um, and so we go to ODC, and they want the vaccine card. Your ID, just to see it, make sure it matches, and they want you masked up. I didn't care. But when I was leaving, I heard a guy really upset, like, well, if, if we're showing you the vaccine card and we're, and we're showing our ID and you know it's us, why do we have to mask anyway? And so by the time we came up out of there, oh, let me tell you what happened on this, this dope. So the, 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 the interpretive dance thing was... Uh, put on by Kinetech Arts. Um, and the show was had lots of dancers and digital music and screens and lasers and all kinds of stuff going on, projectors. And it was put together by this amazing tech dude named Wei Dong Yang. And uh, a lot of the dance and dancers were cultivated and put things together with uh, Diane Lopez da Silva. And it was amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, they did a lot of things that are hard for me to explain. Um, but I'll explain one. One was they used screens. Like they had three different screens and projectors were putting stuff on these screens. And they had two or three different dancers in white suits kind of moving around. It's hard to explain because you kind of sat wherever you wanted in this place for different uh before they did a presentation, they would say, we need everybody sitting in this perimeter or anybody can sit where they want. And then the, the, the things would happen. But this particular thing was apparently a real reenactment, a reenactment of a real thing where two AI entities, artificial intelligence entities, apparently met somewhere in cyberspace and began to communicate. And through their communications, they started mapping out through triangulation where they were in cyberspace and naming different areas that they, that they found themselves and would meet. And so these dancers are kind of moving around, kind of reenacting the triangulation and stuff like that. And then this question comes up about, you know, is this the beginning of a new era of, of digital colonization and stuff like that? You know, you sit there, Ooh, oh, was it, is it, did it, okay, cool. Right. 
Um, I had a lot of fun. There was other stuff that was done. I'm, I'm not going to get into it just because I think I would fail at describing it, but I enjoyed myself deeply. And uh, my friend, Anthony, he, he introduced me to Way and Diane briefly, and it was really cool. And then we left, and it was raining cats and dogs. I went home. I was crazy cold. And uh, while I'm driving home in the rain, I'm thinking about how appreciative I was of all of those dancers, all that choreography. They had this one thing where one of the dancers was actually projected onto a screen, but they were in Chicago, right? And they had these screens. It was nuts. My point is, I recognized how I had evolved as a person because the old me, right, just a few years ago, would have not cared. Would have been like, interpretive dance is whack, it's not hip-hop. Would have been like, I don't know what this means and why. Would have been like, whatevs, whatevs, whatevs. But I had found in that day, in that um, experience, supreme appreciation for every dancer, every scene, every um, expression, every movement, because what I had found was appreciation for what I know I can't do. I can't dance. I just told you that. But it made me appreciate everyone, especially Way and the way that he put all the stuff together with the music and the lights and everything, right? Because I saw more than dancers, more than musicians, more than creative people trying to do stuff. I saw people giving their best right now in the best way that they know themselves and the way that they know how and have been trained to share what they know with the world. And it made me admire everyone in that room who was a part of that show. It made me admire everyone. Because I'm like, you know, if dance was left up to me, if it was left up to me, Dance would not grow. No art would grow. I can draw stick figures, homie. I am not an artiste in that way. And I started having a greater appreciation for the dancers as much as I did the graffiti artists that I was passing through the mission on the way back to the car. The same way that I have appreciation for the doctors and the scientists. The same way that I have appreciation for the teachers and the mechanics, right? Because everybody is just at the same time bringing the best of what they believe was important to them in their life and the people they love. And it it made me feel connected and present with all of the people that do whatever they do. So let me say right now, whoever you are listening, thank you for whatever you do. You might be a teacher, you might be a doctor, you might be an MMA fighter, you might be a jujitsu head, you might be a hip hop head, whatever you do, I thank you for it. Because all of us uh, play an instrument in the divine symphony that is the entirety of life right now. So then, fast forward, Carlos is telling me to come through in the morning. And then I'm thinking about this vaccine and I'm 
I'm laying in bed in the morning and uh, I found a place to get a vaccine, but it was going to conflict. It was likely to conflict with my ability to meet with Carlos. So I was like, man, forget this vaccine, blood, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just dip, just go see what's up. But then I was like, but if you don't see Carlos, your car may explode. And then what happens? You ain't doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I go to the spot. I get this Moderna booster. Um, it was um, at like a fairgrounds type place. And they had all these cars. And you kind of drive through this thing. You go into this area and you write stuff down. And then they, you know, whatever. So I got it. Then I went over to see Carlos. And he said, you know what? This is what's wrong with it. I can fix it, but I can't fix it right now because I'm going out of town. When I get back, I'll take care of you. But until then, take these things with you. Do this, this often, and uh, I'll see you when I get back. So imagine if I hadn't gotten up that day. Imagine if I was like, but I'm just about to sleep right now. My car might have been like, kablooies. You know what I'm saying? And be over. But I got up and did what I didn't want to do. And the benefits of that are fantastic for me. But while I was sitting waiting for this Moderna booster, I started to ask myself, would Marcus Aurelius get the vaccine? Because, man, like the day I did it or right after I did it, I think. Yeah, I think it was a few days after I did it. That's when uh, I'm sure you've seen Ice Cube uh, just walked away from a $9 million movie to... Um, because he didn't have the vaccine. He was working on a movie with Jack Black. And people are like, man, you know, he, he, he's, he, he's taking a big stand. $9 million is so much money. Man, Ice Cube's worth $160 million, bud. Man, Ice Cube won't sell out. He, he don't care about the cash. Yeah, I wouldn't care about the cash either if I had $160 million. That's what it said he's worth online. However, if you go online, it says that I'm worth $8 million. I saw something that said I was worth $8 million. So let's say that he's not worth $160 million. Let's say he's worth half of that or a third of that. He still got generational wealth, set up, not tripping. I don't think he's some kind of crusader, some kind of freedom fighter, but I respect his decision to do what he wants with his body. So I start thinking about the pandemic and I start thinking about stoicism through the lens of the vaccine. Would Marcus Aurelius get the vaccine? So I started thinking a little bit. Now, I talked to you before about a book called uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Notice every show I'm going to give you resources that I have because I don't try to be some kind of highfalutin source of sacred things. Ryan Holiday uh, runs this thing called The Daily Stoic. It's like an email newsletter. And um, he also has a book that I'm reading called The Ego Ego is the Enemy. Really good. But Ryan Holiday, a long time ago, when the, when the pandemic first kicked off, he, he did a thing on masking. And he was, and I hope I'm getting this right, he was talking about uh, the Spartans. And in Spartan culture... You know, if you saw 300, there's this whole thing where in Spartan culture, the men, the warriors, if you fought and you dropped your shield, you were no longer a citizen. 
You were no longer a Spartan if you dropped your shield. And so the question was asked, well, but you have a helmet and you have a sword. How come, how come if you drop your helmet or your sword, you're still a citizen? But if you drop the shield, you're out. He had a really powerful answer. He said, well, the reason is because your helmet protects your head. Your sword allows you to fight back. But your shield, because the Spartans were big on strategy and formation, and they would come together in these ways that made them hard to attack by putting their shields in a particular manner, structure. Your shield is for the people. It's not for you. So when you drop it, you make us vulnerable. That's why if you drop it, you can no longer be a citizen. And so he went on to say something along the lines of, yes, the mask may be cumbersome, may be unfun, may be kind of in the way, but you're not wearing the mask for you. You're wearing the mask for the old lady who's immunocompromised. You're wearing the mask for the kid who was just born. You're wearing the mask for someone who has a lot of these uh, pre-existing conditions. I thought that made a lot of sense. So I started looking up a little bit more about, you know, this idea of stoicism and the pandemic. So I found an article by a guy named Blake Ziegler. I hope I said that right. And... He wrote this March 18th, 2020, a stoic response to coronavirus. Coronavirus. Remember that? Shout out Cardi B. You know, I'm still a fan. Still a fan. You ever hear that song, uh, Get Up 10? Really dope. Anyway, um, so he he wrote something here that I thought was really cool. I'm just going to share it with you. Um, he says, speaking as a stoic. At the same time, one must practice the dichotomy of control, the recognition of what one can and cannot control. One cannot control how the masses will respond to this crisis, but one can control his or her own chances of contracting coronavirus. Therefore, one should focus on practicing healthy habits for himself rather than worrying about how every other individual is acting. While some precaution for others is necessary, one person cannot control everyone else in the world. There is nothing to gain from worrying about what one cannot control. Now, I spoke about this. If you listen to Bishop Chronicles, I have uh, one or two episodes on coronavirus, and I want you to pay attention because I talked about the Antonine Plague, which was a massive plague, okay? Um that was around during Marcus Aurelius' time. Listen to this section. The Stoics had to deal with their own plagues and pandemics. Marcus Aurelius, a prominent Stoic and Roman emperor, lived through the Antonine Plague that killed, listen to the number, 60 to 70 million Romans. 60 to 70 million Romans. Nevertheless, he remained steadfast in his Stoic philosophy, composing his book, Meditations, which you should all get, to guide his Stoic practices as an opportunity for reflection. So they had a plague, a plague that was worse than the one we got now. 
You should look into the Antonine Plague. It's crazy. And so then I kept asking myself, would Marcus Aurelius get the vaccine? The answer that I've come up with, and I sincerely believe this, I believe the answer is yes. Because Marcus cared about other people more than he cared about himself. I believe he would absolutely get the vaccine. Now, there are some people who argue that the vaccine is dangerous or has some dangerous elements in it. It might. There are some who say the vaccine could in the near future cause massive uh, immune issues to those that have taken it. And that's probably very true. The potential for that is high. But I had to ask myself, personally, before I got this Moderna thing, you know, how many people, and you know, I, I've heard a lot of different stories about when the vaccine doesn't work. And I know a lot of people who got vaccinated and who still got it. Got it, meaning, you know, COVID. What I'm saying is this. I know the vaccine isn't 100% foolproof. I know. And I know that I, you know, I'm a little concerned about what I saw in terms of like not being able to go into the restaurant without the card and my ID, going to the dance spot. And, and I feel a little nervous about the way that that's happening. I'm speaking as a happily vaccinated person. I got vaccinated not necessarily because I totally believe in the vaccine or I, I, hate the vaccine, I got vaccinated to look out for my parents. Now, for the record, I do believe that it's whack that so many people that are pro-vaccine don't care about their health in a hundred million other ways. They don't work out. They don't watch their diet. They know they have pre-existing conditions and they do nothing for their health. I'm disappointed in both of the media, on the right and the left, that will say, we hate the vaccine, we love the vaccine, you better get it. But no one says, hey, viewers, did you work out today? Did you check your diet? Are you intermittent fasting? Have you looked into the value of drinking more tea and water and less soda, less alcohol? Have you looked into fasting as a way to boost your immune system? Are you looking into Wim Hof? Nobody says that. Nobody says that. It's just like, well, I was vaccinated. Bro, you're going to die from them hamburgers, player. You're going to die from that root beer, dog. Vaccine? Where's the vaccine for all that eating? Ain't no vaccine for that eating. You got to get disciplined, homie. Ain't no vaccine for all them donuts. The only vaccine for them donuts is your brain and your body Choosing better. And for the record, I do a lot of other stuff. Meaning, I take black seed oil. People ask, Deez, what are you doing right now to stay fit and healthy with a supplement tip? I'm going to share it with you right now, player. 
black seed oil, cop that. Vitamin C, 2,000 milligram tablets, cop those. Colostrum. Colostrum is a great supplement for immunity boosting. Back in the like uh, late 80s, early 90s, colostrum was something that people with AIDS used to take. For real. Look into it, as Eddie Bravo would say. I take vitamin D3. I stay out in the sun, take the shirt off, you know what I'm saying? Let the guns of Navarone get illuminated out here, boy. You know what I'm talking about? These arms, unstoppable. Um, But I also take a unique thing that I never hear anybody talking about. I'm going to share it with you right now. And after I tell you about it, hella people are going to start talking about it like they knew about it, but they didn't know about it. They learned it, you know what I'm saying? Later, blood after me. What I'm talking about is this stuff called CBG. You may have heard of CBD. Raka Iris Science from Dilated Peoples. My trill partner from Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, taught me about CBG because I had some autoimmune issues uh, a few years back, and I was getting MRSA staff, and I was having big problem, major infections, getting hospitalized. And he said, you need to look into CBG. But it was so new. It's an antiviral and antibacterial component in the weed plant. But it was so new, like almost nobody had it. You had to really search for it. I only found one guy in Nevada that made CBG, but when he was doing it, I don't want to say he was charging a lot. It was just more than I can afford so now, CBG ProTabs, there's a company called ProTab. They make CBG, CBD pills. No weed in them, okay? I've been taking these for months, okay? I take all the above. And I also do something else I'm going to throw at you. I use hydrogen peroxide as a mouthwash, and then I take a little bit of hydrogen peroxide, and I put it on a piece of like uh, like tissue and I'll put it in each nostril. Here's the idea. Hydrogen peroxide, which does taste gross for the record, don't drink it. You really just swish it around, spit it out. And I am not a doctor. If anything that I tell you gets you harmed, that's on you, homie. I'm just passing on info. You know what I'm talking about? Um, like when you go to the dentist, a lot of them, especially since COVID popped off, but even before, would have you rinse your mouth out with hydrogen peroxide because it kills viruses. Dope. That's why I put it in my nose, right? So that when I'm inhaling, anything I inhale, uh, if I'm in a crowd of people, will will the 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 virus will land hopefully on some area that I just put peroxide on. And when I'm exhaling, it's less likely that what I'm exhaling will have you know uh, dangerous properties in it because I'm using the uh, the the hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide's cheap. We've got to live better, vaccine or not. I believe Marcus Aurelius would get the vaccine, but I don't think that he would judge and condemn others that haven't gotten it. If you don't have the vaccine, I respect all the reasons you haven't gotten it. I get it. Tuskegee experiment was a real thing. MK Ultra was a real thing. Look those up. It's terrifying. Okay, there's a lot of things that the government and big pharma has done to harm people. This is what happens when companies and governments go unchecked and corruption overdoes things. But that doesn't mean 
that the vaccine can't help, even if it's not foolproof. What I had to ask myself was, you know, I know a lot of people that got it. Some were vaccinated, some weren't. Most of the people that I know got it, got it before the vaccine existed. But I know a lot of people who got it after. I know people who were double vaxxed with different stuff before it was even a thing, and they got it more than once. So it's troubling. But in my personal life, and I'm not talking about everybody else's opinions. I'm talking about my experience walking this earth. I don't know one person who took the vaccine and died or took the vaccine and had irreparable damage to their body. I know one person who directly knows a person who got very sick after getting the vaccine, but I never talked to their doctor. I don't know. Did they get sick for real, for real because of the vaccine? I don't know. I don't know. But I personally do not know one person who got the vaccine and died or got the vaccine and had irreparable, serious damage to him. And I don't know one person who has a family member that this happened to. Also, the reason I took J&J is because it was the weakest and I don't like a lot of the politics around the vaccine cards and all that stuff, but It's all very complicated. We are all going to live and die on our choices. Y'all know I'm a chess player. We're all going to live and die off our choices anyway. I recognize that the Tuskegee experiment was real. And I recognize the risk in taking a vaccine from the same kind of people and companies that backed the uh, Tuskegee experiment. And the Tuskegee experiment was in part backed by the CDC. That's a fact. So I am taking a calculated risk when I do it, meaning take these vaccines. I understand. But I also try to keep myself healthy. I believe Marcus would have gotten it, but he wouldn't condemn or ostracize those that haven't. He would have gotten it because he cared about people more than himself but he wouldn't have judged too harshly those that didn't have the same drive as him. And that's how I look at the world. I could be totally wrong. Marcus might've been like, man, to hell with that vaccine. I don't know. This is Bishop Chronicles. I care about you. I hope you have a good week. You know, uh, life's been crazy lately for all of us, you know? But at the end of the day, know that I wish you nothing but presence and peace for you and the ones you love. Don't forget that on Sundays at 12 noon, I jump on IG Live for the uh, event I call Hashtag We Chillin', where we just have positive conversations and reflect on stoic stuff. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope I didn't make you mad with this one. 
Although I did make some people mad with the stuff I posted about Gina Carano on my IG, at Bishop Chronicles. <laughs> Don't sleep. Be a part of the convo plan. And um, stay healthy and blessed until next time. You know how we do it. Peace. Holla at a scholar. Thank you for listening to Bishop Chronicles. Please remember to subscribe, like, and comment via whatever platform you use to experience the podcast. We invite you to follow us at Bishop Chronicles on Instagram. Until next time, peace.